ghost pepper kind of hits you immediately and then keeps climbing. It's everywhere. Yep. Yeah. It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we like to say like our sauces are 不会痛的辣酱. Like it doesn't, it's it spicy, but it doesn't necessarily hurt. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you can still feel your mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's a little bit burning. <laughs> Welcome to Taiwan Yuan, where you'll hear stories of Taiwanese innovators, makers, and advocates. I'm your host, Cindy, and today we're meeting with Jane and Denner of Empress Hot Sauce, also known as La Tai Ho. Jane and Denner are this incredible duo that want to highlight Taiwan's natural ingredients and get the Taiwanese to add a little more spice into their everyday meal. So here's the unlikely story of how two ex-New Yorkers started a small batch hot sauce business. Hi, Jane and Danner. Tell us about yourselves and your connection to Taiwan. Um, hi, so I'm Jane. I grew up in Taiwan. I left at 18 to go to college in upstate New York. That's where I met Danner, actually. And I lived and worked in New York City. So I was living abroad for about 10 years. And then I moved back to Taiwan about three years ago after Danner and I decided that we wanted to go on our own little adventure in Taiwan. And uh, that's why we're here. Yeah, so I at the time I was actually a tax accountant at a big four firm in New York City, and I was uh, looking out to uh, looking for a way to get out of doing taxes for the rest of my life because it really wasn't my <laughs> passion. I actually was always interested in food, and I always knew back in my in the back of my mind that Jane always had a desire to come back to Taiwan and mm. actually work with Taiwanese brands to expand their reach internationally, and that kind of seemed to dovetail into a, a great opportunity for both of us to pursue both of our passions. Mm-hmm. And so, Jenner, you're not originally from Taiwan. What was that like? Just, I don't know, getting up and moving to a foreign country. This was the first time that I uh, lived abroad that I actually can remember because I was actually not born in the U.S. I was born in Belarus. Oh. So I actually lived abroad when I was a little baby, but I had immigrant parents, so I kind of felt a little bit mm-hmm. not like a, an, an American really for a, a portion of my life but coming back to coming to Taiwan it was definitely a culture shock definitely a culture shock <laughs> <laughs> but you're still here <laughs> so still we here. did good <laughs> so you guys went on this adventure to Taiwan to help brands what led you to create hot sauce yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a really little gap there <laughs> I know right um so I think for like Denner mentioned one of the things that I've always thought about and I wanted to do was to help Taiwanese brands expand to the state, especially because there's so many quality products in Taiwan that go beyond just tech. And we're really learning that as we're developing Empress um, and Hot Sauce. But being able to kind of elevate and create a brand that is wholly Taiwanese and then, you know, with Denner's talents of actually diving into the flavors and trying to figure out what is um, a good combination really led us to to make Hot Sauce. But I think before we started Hot Sauce, we were testing a bunch of different things. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So uh, when we actually arrived here, there was a few other food ventures that we actually tried out. The latest one was an actual chia seed pudding business that we tried to do to oh. provide a nutritious breakfast slash nice little snack to office workers in, Taipa- in, Ta- in Taipei. That's actually how we actually transitioned from a chia seed to a hot sauce when we actually had an excess of mangoes one day. That oh. I actually... Yeah. 
we didn't really know what to do with them. So beautiful. at that point, I looked at my other shelf and then I had about 15 hot sauces there and most of them had the word mango in it. And I'm like looking at the mangoes right, <laughs> right in front of me and I'm like, maybe I can try something. This could be a sign. This could be a sign. <laughs> so actually, I did make uh, a sauce that day and it was, it was passable. It was a little too sweet, a little too grainy. It didn't have the right spice level. But using that kind of first try definitely kind of installed something in me or unlocked something in me. Mm-hmm. I, I really uh, started diving headfirst into making more sauce after that. I was still working on trying to scale the Chiatsi business. business. One day we came home and uh, he told me he made a pomegranate hot sauce. This is after he made it and he was like, oh yeah, I just made a pomegranate hot sauce. And I was like, casual. What? Casually just bought some pomegranate. (laughs) I was definitely alarmed, but I knew he was really serious when he was like, oh, we should go get a juicer. Like there was a sparkle in his eye. He was like, we should go get a juicer so I can juice these pomegranates. And I was like, oh, okay. So, so this is a a serious thing that we should actually start developing. It helps that the sauces taste good. Um, And uh, so what one of my friends actually put this to me really well is that we actually found a very fitting pairing between both of our passions. Oh, you know, for me, true. like wanting to help Taiwanese elevate Taiwanese products through building a brand, and him, you know, diving into food mm-hmm. and elevating Taiwanese produce through the hot sauce, mm. and that's really where we're at now. But Jenner, you were an accountant. Yes. <laughs> Surprise. How, how, how did you go, f- or where, is that always your side passion or hobby to cook? I've always cooked for myself. I always try to take on challenges mm-hmm. to make something interesting, make something different, where I'd always try to make something uh, unique. And plus, I had to feed both of us because uh, <laughs> Jane uh, can cook, but she would rather that I do it because mm-hmm. a little bit more flair for it. Fair, and, fair. Yeah. yeah. And uh, actually, when I got to Taiwan, I actually expanded my repertoire because I had a little bit more time. So that's when I actually started getting into fermentation and actually getting into all of the little subcomponents that actually helped build the base of the hot sauce, which right now we, we ferment things, we actually reduce things, we clarify things. It, it's like a whole process. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think one thing, yeah, one thing that like is really indicative of how his experience as a CPA um, applies to our current answer <laughs> uh, <Yes>. <laughs> is um, like when you look at his spreadsheets, it's insane. So he's super formulaic when it comes to hot sauce. So it's almost true. in that way, you know, yeah. understanding the ratios and mm-hmm. um, being able to kind of play with the numbers, if you will, and then translating that into flavor. And that that's really where I think it, it came out. We have, we have yeah. ratios on ratios. So <laughs> it's kind of a little deep dive because it gets a little complicated because you want to always make sure that you're balancing your acids, you're balancing right. the salt level because you, you have salt from different components, but then how does that impact the spice level? How does that impact your sugar mm-hmm. level? Mm-hmm. How does it feel in your mouth? It becomes like a whole process where you actually want to deep dive into it. And I think that the CPA definitely helped train me with that, <laughs> surprisingly enough. Yeah, no, I, in my head, I'm like, you just made math edible fun i guess yeah, <laughs> but edible yeah, just yeah don't try eating numbers it's not- <laughs> <laughs> okay so all of that led to your new brand right empress hot sauce mm-hmm. can you tell us about i don't know in one sentence what empress yeah. hot sauce is and what your mission is Sure. Um, so Empress Hot Sauce is an American hot sauce that we designed using Taiwanese ingredients. Our goal is to bring excitement to every meal. Because we truly believe that life is too short to have bad food. 
Mm-hmm. And so sauce, I think Dutter always says this to me as well, is the most convenient and easiest way to make a good meal into a great meal. Oh, I've, I've only had good meals spent. <laughs> like, I usually don't. <laughs> uh, but I can change. Yeah. yeah. Now you have now, a rest that you can, you can have. Yes, meals exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of want to try, you know, the hot yeah. ones challenge because yeah. it's the closest thing I'll be to Sean Evans. So now that we've introduced the hot sauces, we have some in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we just, um, we try a flavor in mm-hmm. between different questions. Which ones should we start with? We should always start with the mildest to get your palate warmed up. So we don't want to jump straight to the spiciest one because then you'll kind of blow your palate and you won't actually be able to taste any of the nuances in the, the milder sauces. I think the best one to start with is our pineapple miso. Mm-hmm. It's made with pineapples from Jai, right in Taiwan, as well as uh, we actually found a Taiwanese white organic miso that we actually integrate into there to give it a nice savoriness. The actual concept itself came from an store taco, surprisingly enough, where mm. we were looking at pairings that would work with Taiwanese food, so we started breaking down the components. And for some reason, my mind jumped straight to Mexican food, and then even more specifically, the store taco, which is itself came from the Middle East, because that's the technique they use. Oh! Yeah, with the, the whole spit right, with shawarma. Right, right. Yeah, mm. so what they do is that they just layer pork onto basically I call it a pork tower I don't know if there's a proper term for it but then they put a little piece of pineapple right up top and whenever you get served one of these uh, tacos you're always given a little bit of pork a little bit of grilled pineapple on top and then always topped with cilantro and onions and I figured those base components well they sound relatively Taiwanese you have the savoriness from the pork yeah you have the sweetness from the pineapple and then you have that herbiness from cilantro it almost is like a guabao in a uh-huh. sense. Mm-hmm. And that kind of combination actually, uh, when we tried it out with Taiwanese food and we tested it, it actually worked surprisingly well, especially with like very classical dishes like Luro Fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luro Fan for sure, because it is sweet and it's pork. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So. Okay, let's do it. Um, well, you're not, are you trying to with you? Yeah, yeah. You. can you? <laughs> like, I don't want to do this by myself. Yeah. But I kind of broke it in pieces. That's so that's yeah, I like to call this my lunch sauce just because it's it's nice um, without too much of a kick. So tell us what you what you actually taste when you're doing mm. it. I kind of want another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I think this is definitely like a good mm-hmm. intro hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's got a lot of flavor. Yeah, I like to say this is also like a good training sauce. So if you have mm-hmm. friends who don't eat spicy, you know, get them this. This is like a very easy. It's really tangy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, um, so then back to the regular episode. <laughs> so, Jenner, how does one go create a batch of hot sauce? <laughs> yeah, definitely. The way that we actually create it is we design a hot sauce for a purpose. So going back to pineapple miso. We wanted a sauce that worked well with Taiwanese food, right? So once we figured out how we wanted to uh, make the components actually mesh together, we then thought about how we could actually uh, get our little components to not overstep on each other, not to overwhelm one another. And that's actually when um, 
we created a six-part tasting rubric. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so whenever we test hot sauce or whenever he develops it, obviously there's an idea and he'll do the first execution. And then as a team, we'll all sample it and we'll go through a six-part rubric, um, which is our fit, flavor, spice, texture, color test. And then at the end is if it works. And we have like a pretty stringent spreadsheet that we <laughs> keep track as, of this. Um, <laughs> and so for the fit, for example, um, as Donna said, every single one of our hot sauces kind of have a purpose to them. So we, when we test it, we um, evaluate if it's the intended purpose. So for example, for the pineapple miso, we knew that we wanted to pair it with Taiwanese food. So we tested this with um, right. like Luro Fan, like mm-hmm. local Taiwanese food to make sure the flavor combination is right. And then we go into flavor. And uh, we look at whether or not the flavor is distinct and unique enough. And that's a key piece for us because I think our hot sauces go beyond just vinegar flavor. And that's mm-hmm. what we always do. We always want it to be flavor over heat. So everything that we taste, we always think, okay, is this distinct enough to be a empress um, sauce? Mm-hmm. And then we look at spice, which actually go hand in hand with flavor. Because if it's too much spice, it might overwhelm the flavor that we have. If it's too little, then it's lacking the kick or the excitement. So it's really kind of a tripwire where we walk that fine line to make sure that it fits the purpose that it's intending to. And then since we are humans, we don't just eat with one sense. We actually eat with all five senses. So we actually want to make sure the texture is correct. Mm -hmm. So if it's silky, is it grainy? Is it chunky? Because even if it might be the best flavor, the best fit, the best spice, if it doesn't taste good in your mouth, if it doesn't have that correct texture, you're not going to go back for it. You're not going to go back to it again. Other than that, we also want to make sure it's visually appealing. So yeah, mm-hmm. since we're doing a pineapple-based sauce, we wanted to make it a golden yellow color. We want to make mm-hmm. it provocative so that as soon as you see it, it's something that you're like, oh, pineapple, yellow, done. This makes sense. It kind of sets your expectations for what the sauce should be. And then that last question that we have, where does this work? It's very a a qualitative question where everything else might be perfect, but if we're not reaching back for it, if we're not, Mm -hmm. uh, when we're testing it, where we're not continuously pouring it onto our food or or it doesn't light up our eyes, like it's something where we know it's not going to work. So something's missing. There's something that we need to add or something we need to take away that will make that sauce perfect in a sense. Mm -hmm. So then how long does it take uh, from conception to being bottled into the Empress hot sauce? It's really a range. For the first three that we released, it took about a year since we... Wow. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So we we made mango first, then it actually cascaded to pomegranate, and then we finished with pineapple miso. So they were all done in about the same... They were done concurrently. But mm-hmm. at the um, but we also weren't 100 percent sure. Maybe we were like in an echo chamber, so we actually had to send them out to um, a few other people mm-hmm. just to get their uh, fresh perspective on it. And for that, we definitely uh, learned a few things on how to make it better, make it a little bit cleaner, and then um, made some changes to it yeah. for the market. So the first three, we actually um, when we were getting ready to launch, we sent it out to about um, 100 people both like mm-hmm. folks who are expats in Taiwan, but also folks who are local townies, just so that they can sample it and give us feedback because we might like it, our friends might like it, but in reality, it's really the market that's going to tell us um, yes or no. So based off of that feedback, we made some pretty significant changes when it comes to like 
bottles, when it comes to like the texture of the sauce or the flavors, for example. So for instance, the pomegranate, we adjusted quite a bit based mm-hmm. off of that mm-hmm. feedback, which was great. And, you know, we, we take a very product approach, I think, when it comes to developing our sauces. Mm-hmm. And then because you mentioned it's an American hot sauce using Taiwanese ingredients. So what is your market? Yeah, <laughs> everybody, uh, everybody. Um, our goal is to make everybody eat spicy. So actually, we have our main market, obviously, I think, is folks who have lived abroad or who are familiar with these flavors. So one of the reasons why I think Dutch started making hot sauce in Taiwan is that this isn't really, you know, when you're in the States, you have like a lot of like habanero sauce, like you mentioned, you know, there's just a lot of hot sauces that are available with different you know, flavorings and sits. But here you just basically have the traditional, you know, chili paste or, you know, with oil, with salt. And I think that's, it's delicious in its own right. But for us, I think we wanted something that was a little bit more variety. And so we're more of an acid-based sauce. So mm-hmm. when it comes to actually the flavor, a lot of local Taiwanese people aren't as familiar with it. So when we first launched, it was super clear that, um, you know, there was a surge of support from the, I would say, expat or like the uh, so-called ABC community, yeah, who are folks who are really familiar with this, who are excited about the fact that they have more variety of spice to choose from that goes beyond just Tabasco that's available. And so that's one of our main targets. And then we're looking at, we've done a lot of markets in Taiwan even going down as far as like Kaohsiung, Nantou, mm. just so that we can, you know, do these tastings face-to-face with local Taiwanese folks. Mm-hmm. Just because when you taste and we, when you see how you react, that's a sign for us to understand how we can adjust the narrative mm-hmm. or what suggestions we can have um, on pairings. So we're growing that local, I think, that local influence um, more and more every time. So and do you find that... I guess to convert them into customers, mm-hmm. you just m- more so educating them on the sauce or you have to also adjust the actual product? Mm. I think so far what we've seen is actually, well, one of the surprises for us, I think, is that um, people are a lot more willing to adopt the sauce than we thought they would be. That's to be awesome. Honest. Yeah, it yeah. was really great. So we've had multiple markets and with, you know, we've done this for a couple of months now where at every market there will be multiple people that just come up, try all three. And I didn't have to go into the pitch at all, and they would just buy all three. And so that's very exciting for us. So we've had to do the education portion just to kind of let them know why we chose these things. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like a Tabasco sauce, but it has more flavor. And we created these little pamphlets that teach them how to pair mm-hmm. so that it is more of an education thing. But I think what's been really clear is that there are a lot of folks in Taiwan who want to eat things that aren't super oily, that aren't super salty. Yeah. Because Taiwanese food in itself can be very oily. So when we say things like, oh, this is hot sauce that doesn't have any added oil, mm-hmm. that kind of thing really does turn heads um, and, and make them want to try. So I think we're, you know, we've seen the market grow to start accepting this kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. So one last question around that. Maybe it's too early, but mm-hmm. as a Taiwanese who... Growing up in my household, we don't have hot sauce, you know, at the table um, when we eat. So are you looking to help adopt that routine? So just encourage people to have to remember to have hot sauce with meals or how are you looking to change uh, the local, I guess, meal routine here? Mm -hmm. So I think for us, we're actually surprised at how spicy people eat here, right? You know, I think you were saying that like the Sichuan pepper is just so predominant. so... 
Mala is already a flavor here. Yes. It's already been adopted. Yes. And that is a conscious choice by consumers to actually choose something that is spicy. Taking that, we actually want to sort of play off that where this is a spicy, but it's a different kind of spicy. It's not that kind of numbing spice. It's actually more of a, a little bit more forward of a spice, mm-hmm. but nothing that's too intense for a typical Taiwanese palate. And plus there's been plenty of people that like Jane said, came up to us and tried all three, didn't even break a sweat and said, <laughs> do you have anything spicier? After buying a set. <laughs> so there, there is definitely room for, uh, for Taiwanese people to grow into adopting our sauces, into integrating into their condiment routine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for us, it's just we want to empower our folks to try more creative flavors when it comes to you know either e- either eating at home or even like when they're ordering delivery and really step into spice without fear. A lot of people come up to us and, you know, they like our branding, they like the name, but they're really afraid of how spicy it is. But um, that's kind of why we do this three tier. So the one that you just tried was pineapple miso. It's our mildest. It's really easy to get into. And, um, you know, not to be too cliche, but like there is something to say about enjoying the spice of life. And be, yeah. you know. How is that not your tagline? I know, right? <laughs> I just thought cliche. <laughs> but there's something to be said about being more creative about the flavor mm-hmm. pairings that we can have, you know, and just having more fun with the food that we eat. Yes. And um, doing it while, you know, enjoying healthy things that don't feel like a burden on our body. And that's really what our mission and um, our values drive from. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do another hot sauce. All right, Perfect. round okay. two. So this is a little bit of a step up. It is our oh. pomegranate. It's not nothing. <laughs> you 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 have the pineapple miso. That Baby step. Yeah, yeah. Baby you're, step. you're absolutely fine. So this is our pomegranate. It is a oh. sriracha derivative. It's thicker too. A I little just bit. Yes. So mm-hmm. texture goes differently all the way through. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about this one? I'm gonna eat it with you too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little spicier. A little spicier. But yeah, it's more little, heat. I feel like I'm at a wine tasting class, but yeah. I don't know what to say. Sure. I'm like, so, oak? Okay, no? <laughs> so the way that this was uh, envisioned was it actually came from our actual love of srirachas. But when we actually started looking at it, we saw that sriracha had preservatives in it, which we never wanted to consume or don't want to consume as much as we can. Mm. And also, in regular sriracha, one gram of sugar per five grams is the amount of sugar. It's a 20% ser- uh, a serving of sugar. It's kind of a little intense. So we wanted to figure out a way to reduce the amount of sugar but retain the sort of same flavor of sriracha. And we actually figured that out with pomegranate. We make our own pomegranate molasses that we actually put inside. And then we actually add a little bit of a smoke flavor on the back end. That's a barrel feeling that you're getting. Right. But it's, it's not like yeah. a campfire. It's it's basically just a little tiny hint that kind of lingers on the tongue and plays with uh, the garlic on the back end. Mm. Um, it's also made like a traditional sriracha where we actually double ferment it. It's the only sauce that we actually use where we ferment the sauce in its entirety for a few days, which actually came about through a happy accident. When we were developing it, we actually, okay, I actually just forgot to pasteurize <laughs> it one day. I let it sit in a, in a sealed container for about three, four days. And then I came back to it and I was like, wait, this tastes completely different, completely better, much <laughs> yeah. richer. So uh, it was a much, it was a very, very happy accident that it, it, uh, it, it worked out that way. Hmm. Is that, is this one your most popular one? Or- 
It really depends. We we do see this trading off with uh, the next spicy one, mango. Um, we we like to call this one the everyday sauce. Yeah. Where if you don't really know which sauce you like or what what sauce you want to put onto your meal, use this one because it's the most neutral. Mm. Everyone likes sriracha, basically. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so going back then to talking about promoting Taiwanese flavors. Mm -hmm. So you're using ingredients made in Taiwan from Taiwan. Mm -hmm. What was that part of the journey like? So the sourcing of the ingredients. Yeah. So like any good Taiwanese person, you know that <laughs> if you wanted to get fresh produce, you go to your local morning markets. And so when we started doing this, I was like, okay, we got to go to our local morning markets um, to you know find our suppliers and just find what's in season. And so, you know, there's always this guy in the corner, you know, that we would always buy from with the best vegetables. <laughs> there was this young family that had like the best fruits. So we always bought our mangoes from them. But over time, I think we were definitely looking for more variety than what the local markets could provide for us. Because that's mm -hmm. really curated for the neighborhood, right? Um, so we started wondering where these guys, these morning market people get their supplies from. So then we did some research and we found out, okay, so you could, they go to Bingjiang or a lot of them go to Bingjiang or like the first market. Um, mm. And there's a huge complex there where, you know, a lot of suppliers who buy produce from there and then go to your local morning markets. So we started taking like 7 a.m. trips to Bingjiang. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was a Dirsutang. I apologize. The Dirsutang. Oh, yeah. This is a 7 a.m. one. No, no, no. That one is DE. I always get confused. <laughs> the one in Wanhua. Yeah, the one in Wanhua is wow. the first market. So okay. there's two main markets in Taiwan. I see. There's the first market, which is the one that opens at 3 a.m. There's the uh, second market, which is one that opens at 7 a.m. Or probably earlier, but we just go at 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> They're already full swing at 7 yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. The second market is the one that's close to Bingjiang. Uh -huh. So that was our first kind of foray uh -huh. into a bigger sourcing, I guess, market, yeah. our journey. And then that's really where we found our first kind of pepper lady. That we pepper lady. We never oh. actually got her name, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we uh, consistently bought in bulk from her for quite a bit of time. But then uh, she had a hard time sourcing more exotic peppers mm. um, outside of the traditional bird's eye chili that we use. So we wanted to get our hands on some ghost peppers, on some habaneros, which in Taiwan is kind of difficult. Mm. So we actually just straight up asked her, where do you get your peppers? And she was actually telling us that, oh, I just get them upstairs. And we're like, wait, have, your, your farm is upstairs? Like, I'm completely yeah. confused. You guys so, are at 3 a.m. upstairs. Yeah, yeah, so she actually is a uh, distributor herself. Nice. She doesn't actually go to the farm. She's not a farmer. So then we basically were like, well, we want to go to the upstairs. We figured out we couldn't, so we went to the next best, best thing. Uh -huh. We went to the Wanhua at 3 a.m. Uh -huh. We waited for it to open. We stayed up one night, drank wow. a ton of coffee. And then <laughs> the first time we were there, it was it was a sight to behold. You basically pull up in uh, your, your we, we we took a taxi, so we, we basically walked in, and there was rows upon rows of both uh, meat stalls and then vegetable stalls and then fruit stalls, and then there was carts everywhere. Uh, people were uh, telling us to move, get out of the way, and. People were bidding on pallets of vegetables, and it was definitely an organized chaos. But uh, I felt like a kid in a candy store, and so I figured I can find anything that I need to make sauce right here. Mm -hmm. So actually, after a few trips, when we <laughs> could handle that kind of chaos, we were prepared for it. 
we actually walked one of the markets and actually found our current uh, pepper provider who has a great relationship with a ton of farms all around Taiwan. And she can actually source us these um, or uh, more exotic style peppers. Wow. Yeah, just some added context. Um, for the first market, what happens is these farmers or sometimes farmers or distributors will basically get all of their produce and drive through the night and mm-hmm. to end up at this first market. Oh. And that's where all the restaurants, all the like um, produce suppliers, they go there um, at like 3 a.m. or 5 a.m. like we did um, to get their produce for the day. And it just continues on every day, which is, I, I think, for us was shocking. Um, but it was really great to be able to experience this, especially, I think, for ourselves, because we we don't have, or I didn't have uh, a lot of connections into the agricultural community. Mm-hmm. So when we're thinking about sourcing, I just kept asking around people, you know, I, I in my broken Chinese, like, you know, <laughs> where can I get things? Um, and I think what's great about Taiwan is that it's such a, small market that is relatively easy for us to, you know, it's it's almost like, you know, six degrees of separation is like three degrees. Exactly. Yeah. So um so it's relatively easy for us to find what we're looking for. So for example, our pineapples for the pineapple miso is from like this grandson in Jai who's trying to help their his grandparents kind of revive their pineapple farm and you know mm. build these digital tools to allow the, their business to expand. And so we order it directly from them. And so we're really enjoying that we're able to use hot sauce as a way to learn more about the agriculture, new age, I guess, um, businesses in Taiwan. And we're looking forward to visiting more farms this year. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely find interesting a lot of these older businesses as the newer generation take over, how they've sort of try to evolve their family business. Yeah. It's such a study. Yeah. It's really amazing, I think, especially when we go down south and we see a lot of folks that are just trying to you know, it's the same good quality product, but for us, it's just, they're just lowering the barrier for us to really get to know it, especially for folks coming back from abroad. I think because we're so used to things being done a certain way or aesthetic to be a certain way, mm-hmm. um, you know, these second gen folks who are coming in trying to revamping it, um, I'm, I'm super grateful or else I wouldn't be able to find like such good quality yep. pineapples. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should we try the last hot no, sauce? We have a, we actually brought Two more. Two more? So the okay. mango and the ghost. Okay. Yes, I see. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> but go right ahead for the mango. I'm, I'm maybe just trying not to see the ghost. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> so the mango hot sauce that we have is actually made with mangoes from Tainan. They're um, some of the best quality mangoes I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And... When we were putting them into a hot sauce, we actually came across a few issues that the mangoes were actually too sweet. Hmm. So we actually got around that by incorporating ginger and a little bit of goji berry and then three different kinds of acid into the hot sauce. Mm-hmm. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to swallow. Yeah. Hmm. So having that kind of um, flavor that stands up to the sweetness of the mangoes was very uh, necessary for us. So having that that acid and the ginger really helps cut through the sweetness up front, but that actually has a secondary effect where the spice actually doesn't really hit you in the mouth. It actually kind of emanates a little bit more from the back of the throat. And <laughs> how, how are you describing everything I'm feeling? <laughs> I've eaten a lot of hot sauce. <laughs> so when we think of it that way, it's something that, that, that we, we wanted to engineer how you would actually also taste it. 
So mm-hmm. we didn't want something that was so massively assertively spicy right up front. We wanted somebody, we wanted everyone to taste the, the actual sweetness of the mango. We found that it was a little cloying. So that's where the ginger and the acids came in. Yeah, why goji berries? Goji berry adds just the hintiest, tiniest, almost imperceptible amount of smoke that actually mm-hmm. kind of rounds out the flavor profile. It's actually really interesting. I think when people sample it and people who don't like goji or are very sensitive to it, they immediately, they're like, oh, I can taste it. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, wow. I've never, I, I understand it because I've tasted it so many times, but um, it's interesting what people latch onto when they start sampling things because of certain preferences or uh, yeah, you know, biases against them. It's actually interesting to see when people's flavor profiles actually start to come out because when they taste something, what I taste versus what somebody else tastes is completely different. So that's why we always want to actually also taste as many, uh, have as many people taste it before we go into production because everyone tastes something different. Everything pulls something different out of it. And it's always a benefit for us. It just makes a stronger sauce for us. And the first hot sauce you you made was mango. Yeah. Is this completely different than that first hot sauce? It is relatively close. I would say mm-hmm. the bones are about the same, but then we added a few tweaks. We added a little bit more of the acids. So we actually use three different kinds, like uh, like I mentioned. We use the rice vinegar, distilled mm-hmm. white vinegar, and a, a lime juice. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, every single acid brings a little component. Initially, it was just straight rice vinegar, which again was too sweet. It was sweet on sweet on sweet. So we actually needed to change that all up. I know I'm nodding like I get it, but I'm trying to get it. <laughs> well, I think no, I love yeah. I love how you're you get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is how I feel when we go to like Italian restaurants and they're like, try the wine and I'm like, Yeah, sure. I'm not gonna tell you no. Like it, it's just gonna be there. Yeah, that's yeah. stone fruit flavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, the all the vinegar as you mentioned, or even just the ingredients, would you say the profile of your hot sauces are closer to an Asian hot sauce or how Americans make hot sauce or So we definitely Spanish. have an American style in our hot sauce where we focus first on fermentation for the peppers themselves to uh, lower their pH so we don't have to use as much vinegar, as much salt. It actually helps naturally preserve the sauce. And then we also find that fermentation brings a, a great depth of flavor. So again, that we don't have to use as much sugar, as much salt, mm-hmm. as much other ingredients. We kind of want the peppers and their main components to shine as much as possible. So mm-hmm. for the mango, I don't really, it, it, as long as it's delicious for you, that's good for us. <laughs> We're happy. Yeah. I think the difference with using an island mango, for instance, is that the sweetness is a lot, it's more depth, I think, than in mango habanero, which is usually made with Mexican mangoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we like to distinguish ours mainly because nobody's ever made hot sauce in Taiwan with mangoes, or at least in our way. Um, and so this is a really good kind of introduction, we think, also to the American folks who are very familiar with mango habanero. And then now they can try it with Taiwanese mangoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Switching back to the business side of things oh. a little bit. Mm-hmm. So any big surprises so far to launching Empress Hot Sauce? And now that I know you've, you've launched other businesses as well, maybe just comparatively, how was launching Empress different from the chia seed pudding business or other businesses? Mm-hmm. I think for Empress, the biggest surprise, honestly, was just how fast people adopted it. There is, a, We're used to kind of doing a lot of market research, understand like what's the 
market size and all these things that we have. But when we look at like expats or especially the market of folks coming back from the States or from Canada, that metric doesn't really, it's hard to measure that metric. So when we launched it, you know, we were super surprised by the amount of, you know, there were a lot of people who wanted to support us, a lot of people, a lot of great partners who had similar goals, wanted to create this environment where, you know, they they moved back um, maybe like a year ago, two years ago, and they saw the same lack that we did. And they're very excited about the fact that it's it's um, available to them now. So overall, I think we were pretty surprised by, and we still continue to be surprised by how well people are receiving our sauce, especially the local community. I think that is, for myself, um, you know, I didn't use to eat spicy, so I thought, how well, didn't you see that spicy? But then as we're doing these tastings and we're going to these markets and, you know, we're getting to know Taiwan more and more, folks really like that heat. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it explains all the mala hot pot yeah. all around. I think this is something that we're really looking forward to developing more here. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly enough, I've been kind of floored by the amount of people that I've met who are willing in, to change like the food narrative in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So they actually want to promote healthier eating. They want to reimagine what Taiwanese food is and what it means to them. And how to reimagine using local ingredients in, uh, in new and novel ways. So um, it actually is kind of, we're, we're kind of riding that wave as well, mm-hmm. where these uh, individuals all want to change Taiwan's food scene. And we definitely just want to be a part of it, where this is potentially a, a, a modern take bar or a new way for Taiwanese people, whoever they may be to enjoy our products, enjoy healthier foods, and reuse the same ingredients that they've always had. Yeah, I think just to add to that also is, uh, on the business side, what I've been really, really surprised with actually is how small and accessible the community is with when it comes to creativity. Um, because Taiwan has this kind of startup feel to it. I almost feel like this island of startups, mm-hmm. or a big startup, I don't know. But um, where... Y- if you know one person, then you'll know, you know, you'll probably be, you'll probably know a bunch of their friends. But what's been really fun and for us is the fact that everybody is trying to do something new. And mm. there's just so much creative juices that are flowing amongst everybody who's just trying to build their own iteration of what they understand and what their story with Taiwan is. So that's been really, really fun and kind of a nice surprise. Yeah, same for me. <laughs> Even though yeah. I'm just gathering stories, I, I definitely feel so energized by seeing what everyone's doing. And then, like, you know, one interview leads to five more interviews. and yeah. <laughs> Too many stories to collect, but it's a good problem. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, should we do the ghost? Are you, are you ready for the ghost? <laughs> yes, let's do the ghost pepper. No, no. So the ghost is the spiciest sauce that we have, but it's definitely not painful. We always, we always want to create a sauce that is always flavor first and then with a bit of spice at the end. So this one is uh, our grapefruit macao or ghost pepper macao. So what we do is we actually use macao, which is a, an indigenous Taiwanese pepper. It looks like a black pepper, but it actually smells like a lemon candy. It has this intense lemon aroma. And we actually wanted to fortify that lemon by adding in ghost uh, by, by adding in grapefruit so there's a little bit of grapefruit juice in there as well and at the same time when we fermented the uh, ghost peppers we actually found that they had a similar flavor profile similar uh, scent 
to the grapefruit and the uh, the mancal. So when it's actually when you smell it, you kind of can't discern which flavor is what. And when you try it, it's the same kind of first taste. You your 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 mouth kind of pings from is that ghost? Is that grapefruit? Is that <laughs> I'm a little bit confused. We wanted that to spread to every corner of your mouth, so we actually added a bit of sweet potato as the base. So it's something that we haven't seen here. There are some places in the states that are doing it like this as well, uh, mm-hmm. but it actually adds this intense creaminess to the sauce that helps it really, really get up in the mouth, so yeah. you can feel it a little bit more. So you ready? Um, yes. A little little dollop. Yeah. No dabbing here. <laughs> oh, that should be my. Nice. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna smell it and then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let me know what you said. A little lick. Oh. Okay, it's coming. <laughs> it, it climbs for like about a few minutes, but it kind of levels out. It's not not too too invasive. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it though. I really like it, and you don't need a lot. No, yeah, no, yeah. Okay. And the spice is completely <laughs> different, where it hits you immediately because of the ghost pepper, versus the previous three actually have more of a delayed onset. Ghost pepper kind of hits you immediately and then keeps climbing. It's everywhere. Yep. Yeah. It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, we like to say like our sauces are like it doesn't, it's it spicy, but it doesn't necessarily hurt because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you can still feel your mouth, even if it's a little bit burning. <laughs> it's good impact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Also, you're handling this extremely well. Yeah. I think I've had ghost pepper chips before and survived. Uh, so I'm like, oh, so this is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's <all good. laughs> okay, so maybe we'll end with a question. Sorry, <laughs> just recovery. Take your time. Take your time. This is a question for you both, mm-hmm. but I, I know you know it might be different answers. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious in this over this last year and on this adventure. How has your relationship with Taiwan evolved? Jane, for you as, you know, a Taiwanese, and then, you know, obviously you've gotten more into the community and you've already wanted to promote Taiwan, but I'm curious to how you feel about Taiwan now. Yeah. When I first came back um, a couple years ago, I actually like to joke with my mom that I immigrated back home because basically, you know, even though I'm from Taiwan, my professional experience it was all in the States. So coming back and learning how things are done really differently here was really challenging to begin with. And I think that, you know, one thing that Dan and I have really come to terms with is the fact that every place has their own way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And so instead of focusing on the inefficiencies and trying to improve on these inefficiencies that in our perspective, you know, we want to remind, we always remind ourselves that, you know, like I said, Taiwan is basically a big startup. And, you know, there are a lot of bureaucracies that may exist and cultural nuances that really make us pull our hair out. But at the end of the day, if we focus on energy, on overcoming like these environmental obstacles, but really highlighting and learning the flexibility and hustle that a lot of Taiwanese business owners have, I think we have a lot to learn here. So we are super grateful, actually, to be and really benefiting from being in this dynamic environment where everybody is I, I think at one point we had said this is almost felt like almost like an American dream in a way, but in mm-hmm. Taiwan, because everyone, everyone here can feel like there's a low barrier to entry and you can mm-hmm. try new things, creative things. And um, there's a community here that, that's looking forward to it. 
So for me, I think this is a great place to be um, to start your own business. Um, I'm glad to get to know Taiwan better. So on my end, when I first arrived, there definitely was a friction there, um, and I'm sure plenty of people who spent the majority of their time outside of Taiwan will definitely recognize that sort of. For lack of a better word, it is friction where your your culture and、uh, Taiwan's culture are kind of butting up and grating on each other. And really, what I've learned over the past year starting this starting this company is that they have a reason for why they're doing it, and it, it definitely behooves you to take some time to figure out why they're doing it because more more times than not. Their reason makes sense,、mm-hmm. and if you just spend a little bit of energy, if you really just try to unpack where they're coming from, you'll understand why they're doing it, and then your response will be more suited to one, make them happy, make a deal, and two, it, you'll feel better because you know why they're reacting the way they are, and then you can take that knowledge to all future events going forward. Really. It, it just summarizes it down. Like it helped me slow down, helped me see the other side a little bit better, and it made me feel more comfortable being in Taiwan. If you're in Taiwan, go to EmpressHotSauce.com to purchase your own bottle. If you're in the U.S., you can get Empress Hot Sauce at the Yunhai shop. Remember to rate, subscribe, and tell your friends. Thanks for listening. Taiwan, 加油！